This is an AMI podcast. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm Joyita Gupta. In this one-hour episode, we will speak to candidates from the four major English-speaking parties in Canada as part of AMI-audio's coverage ahead of the elections happening this fall. September 20th is, of course, Election Day, and we want to encourage you to get out and vote. You can vote in an advanced poll. You could also use a mail-in ballot or vote in person on Election Day. Election Canada is required to have provisions in place to ensure accessible voting for Canadians with disabilities. Please contact your local Elections Canada office for more information for more information on ways to vote accessibly. Ahead of this episode, we solicited questions over Twitter to hear from you about your concerns as Canadians with disabilities. I will try and pose as many of your questions as possible to the candidates as I speak to them in turn. But before I get to that, I want to thank those of you who took the time out of your day to engage with me and with AMI Audio on Twitter and sent us your questions because we really value your participation, not just on this program, but also in our democratic process. So what we're going to do is later on in the program, we'll be hearing from the candidates from the Green Party of Canada, the Liberal Party of Canada, and the New Democratic Party of Canada. But for now, we're going to get things started by talking to somebody from the Conservative Party of Canada. Raquel Dancho is the Conservative candidate in Kildonan, St. Paul's in Manitoba. She served as opposition critic for disability inclusion in the last parliament. Raquel Dancho, welcome to The Pulse. I'm sure you're very busy on the campaign trail, but it's great that you could take a couple minutes out of your day to talk to us. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you for having me. So tell us in broad strokes what the Conservative Party of Canada is intending to do for people with disabilities in Canada. One in five Canadians lives with a disability. Yeah, well, we're looking to ensure that Canadians living with disabilities are fully included in all aspects of society. Uh, we believe that it's very important to ensure everyone has the same dignity to work if they so choose. And we do see a number of gaps in the policy areas, both at the federal at the federal and provincial levels that need to be filled to ensure persons living with disabilities are able to access the same quality of life and, and work opportunities as everyone else. So that's certainly the positive focus we have in our platform for this election. Hmm. I'm so glad you brought up quality of life because one of the things I've been hearing a lot about and likely others have as well uh, are some of the remarks that Erin O'Toole is alleged to have made where it has been alleged or insinuated that he is in favor of privatizing our healthcare system, something that I think has a lot of people with disabilities feeling a little nervous. What would you say in response to those allegations? I do feel that the Liberal Party is creating false narratives. Um, they see that they, this election call is not going very well for them, and it's just a really a desperate misinformation campaign. I know that the Conservative Party is very proud of our universal health care system. I know Aaron O'Toole stands by that as well. And I do believe that um, we need to be looking at public-private synergies to ensure all Canadians have proper access to health care while ensuring the universal access, is, which is paramount to the Canadian identity. And the Conservative Party certainly supports and promotes that. Mm. But, you know, with a lot of people with disabilities during the pandemic in particular, there was so much hesitation and fear 
that people with disabilities would be taken off ventilators, that they would not be prioritized in healthcare mm. situations. Can you see how even the the perception or the whiff of privatizing the healthcare system could be deeply concerning to this community? Yeah, I would say that that's why I don't think that there's any major party in Canada that would be even considering privatizing healthcare, public healthcare, isn't I? part of the Canadian identity. We're all very proud of our public health care system. It has uh, served us well over the last number of difficult months. And I know that Aaron O'Toole and the Conservative Party and all of our candidates fully support public health care in Canada, particularly mm -hmm. the universal access to all public health care supports. All right. Well, just one more point about health care. A number of your opponents have offered up a plan for a national pharmacare program. You know, I know that it comes up just about every election. What is the Conservative Party's stance on that? I think we're looking to ensure that all Canadians have access to life-saving medication. We've done uh, quite a bit of work on ensuring that there's uh, certain drugs available to Canadians. Um, and I would say that we know that Manitoba and the province that I live in has, um, you know, good access to prescription medication. And it seems that across Canada, there's a bit of a patchwork um, and that our party really is looking at ensuring that drugs remain affordable and accessible for everyone. Uh, I appreciate the NDP's platform, the Liberal platform. I think that they've been talking about pharmacare for about 30 years. So I don't have a lot of confidence that when they promise things like that, that they're going to deliver. And so I would say that we are confident that our public health care system is doing well for Canadians. We've seen that over the last uh, number of years. There's certainly room for improvement. I think the pandemic has shown that, you know, while our healthcare system is robust and uh, serving Canadians well, there are a number of gaps and cracks that have been exposed over the last 18 months. We also recognize that the baby boomer generation is the largest generation in history aging into our healthcare system. And we are looking to boost the healthcare transfers to be six, $60 billion more dollars to provinces over the next 10 years. I think that's a critical investment that the Conservatives are committed to. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that uh, has been talked about a lot, because we reached out to uh, Canadians with disabilities on Twitter to get their uh, sense of their biggest concerns and questions, one of the things that they're saying is we are so concerned about employment or the lack of employment opportunities mm -hmm. and about income security for people with disabilities. What does the Conservative Party of Canada intend to do to address some of these barriers? Yes, we have a number of uh, important items in our platform. So we'd like to double the disability supplement in the Canada Worker Benefit from the current $713 to $1,500, which would provide a major boost to lower income Canadians with disabilities. And then we'd like to also, this one I'm really excited about, is providing an additional $80 million per year through the Enabling Accessibility Fund. Uh, we know that, you know, there are one in five, as you said, Canadians living with disabilities, and even Canadians who aren't currently living with disabilities, if you live long enough, you will likely be living with a disability. So ensuring that our world is accessible by everyone, regardless of your ability, I think is critical for the dignity of all Canadians. And particularly when we're talking about work, the $80 million of additional funding through the Enabling Accessibility Fund would also provide grants and supports for all types of accessibility equipment that Canadians with disabilities would need to work. So it's looking at a targeted approach, and I do find that that's, that's an exciting piece um, that's, that's critical. One of the things that the Conservative government, when you were last in power, managed to accomplish was uh, the disability tax credit, which has been a, a tremendous mm -hmm. benefit to many Canadians with disabilities, but not everyone. There are so many people who are left out. 
if you are um, able to form government again, will you go back and look at the disability tax credit to revisit the eligibility criteria to make sure that more people can benefit from it than they do right now? Yes, that is a commitment in our platform. We'd like to reduce the number of hours required to qualify for the disability tax credit, as well as the registered disability savings plan from the current 14 hours per week to 10 hours per week. So I do believe after our consultations, we, as you've said, we've found that that's incredibly important to many people living with disabilities in Canada. We need to ensure that threshold is lowered so that it includes more Canadians. So we are committed to lowering that threshold from the current, again, 14 hours per week to 10. Hmm. The Liberal Party of Canada, particularly um, Carla Qualtro, has been quoted on many occasions as having said that the Liberal Party has done the most for Canadians with disabilities out of any other preceding government. They are, of course, Mm -hmm. talking about the Accessible Canada Act, which is a landmark piece of legislation. How would you go about improving on the act or go about ensuring that it is effectively implemented? I do feel that the Liberal Party has made a lot of promises over the last six years, but their progress on a lot of them is not as quick as uh, many would like on uh, many of the social promises that they've made. So they're very good at making announcements, but then the follow through, they do have uh, a significant amount of difficulty with that. And they brought forward some legislation uh, before Parliament wrapped up. And we found that it didn't provide a lot of details for the Canadian disability benefit. They're talking about three years of consultations to bring any changes forward. So we're just, we're not confident that that's going to make, that they're really going to follow through on that, particularly not as quickly as Canadians need. And we know that, you know, the Trudeau government has let down persons with disabilities in the past. You know, if you consider 2017, when Justin Trudeau changed how Canadians qualifying for the disability tax credit, which we've already talked about, um, you know, those changes did leave thousands of Canadians behind. So we are very committed to reducing the number of hours that is required for the disability tax credit from the current 14 to 10 hours per week. So that's something that's pretty critical to us. And we, we're really proud of our platform. And again, I think one of my favorite parts of it is that enabling accessibility fund boost of $80 million per year. I do feel that that will ensure more persons living with disabilities can access the workforce and also just participate fully in uh, everyday society like everybody else. Well, I've got time for one last question and I'll squeeze it in. Here you are saying that uh, the Liberals have made a lot of promises they have failed to keep. If we end up with another minority situation, how willing are you to work with other parties, including the Liberals, to realize some of the objectives you've put forward for people with disabilities? Mm. Yeah, I think uh, our party has an excellent track record with reaching across party lines over the last 18 months of this minority parliament. Uh, what we've seen, for example, I'll give you two two specific things that the Conservative Party has championed and worked with the Bloc and the uh, NDP to pressure the Liberals into the action that was desperately needed. So one of the things was on sickness benefits. Uh, we do believe that the current sickness benefits of 15 weeks is not adequate whatsoever, particularly in light of COVID. And we championed that expansion to 52 weeks per year. So while not specifically a disability issue, it does impact folks who are sick and recovering from great illness or injury to ensure that they have a full year to recover and they have an employment assistance. So we championed that and it's within our platform that full 52 weeks. Another issue 
uh, regarding the disability community that I, was very important to me is the Liberal government uh, tried to cut $4 million of funding from CELA and NELS, uh, which supports public libraries to provide accessible reading materials to those who have reading impairments. And so $4 million in a $330 billion budget is really less than a drop in a bucket. And they were looking to cut that funding. So uh, myself, CELA and NELS, we sort of rallied the troops across Canada, ensured we were putting in enough pressure on the Liberal government to restore that funding, which they conveniently did and committed to one year uh, before the election was called. So I'm not confident they'll stick to that commitment following the election. But if we're in a minority situation, you can rest assured that the opposition parties will be working together to hold a Liberal minority government to account to ensure supports like that for the disability community are not cut. And should we form a government, whether it's a minority or a majority, we will be working across the aisle to ensure that the disability community is heard and that we follow through on these commitments. Well, thank you very much for speaking to us today. We are out of time, but it was a pleasure speaking to you about your platform. Yeah, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Greatly appreciate it. And uh, I hope to speak to you again soon. I'm Joyita Gupta. In this one-hour episode, we are hearing from candidates representing the four major English-speaking parties in Canada. Previously, we heard from a representative from the Conservative Party of Canada. Let's turn our attention to the Greens next. Kimberly Vance Mubanga is the diversity and inclusion critic in the Green Party Shadow Cabinet, and she joins us today from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Kimberly Vance Mubanga, welcome to The Pulse. It's really good to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. So, Kimberly, tell us a little bit in broad strokes what the Green Party is committed to do for Canadians living with disabilities. So, um, we just released our national platform, and the platform is uh, composed of three different planks. One looking at sustainable future uh, and a green economy the second looking at uh, life with dignity, and the third looking at a just society. And within all three of those planks, there are elements that uh, work towards improving uh, lives for people with disabilities. Some take a more human rights-based approach uh, and look at justice issues or access. Some look at uh, issues of health care. Some look at economic security uh, and jobs. So can you give us a couple of specific examples? You've given us a, 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 a broad overview, but give us a few specific ideas of things you'd like to accomplish if elected. So I think the key one, um, which is consistent across our platform, is creating a, a system of a guaranteed livable income hmm. um, that's universal. Um, and, you know, we feel this is something that uh, Canadians with disabilities uh, desperately need. Um, and indeed, uh, many Canadians who have suffered um, economic disparity. Um, so we would be working um, to create uh, a system where um, people living with disabilities had a guaranteed basic income uh, and work to convert the disability tax credit into a system of refundable credits as a first step in creating that national basic income program. And then also looking at redesigning the Canada Pension Plan disability benefit um, to allow for and permit employment rather than sort of the more stricter definitions right now, which require 
severe uh, disability to be lifelong um, and and don't offer incentives for people uh, to work and also claim the basic income. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned employment, so let's talk about that. At least seven in, out of 10 Canadians who are visually impaired are either unemployed or underemployed, and that scenario plays out pretty much across the board regardless of disability. Uh, you mentioned the one proposal in relation to employment, but how else do you propose to deal with the the employment barriers faced by people with disabilities? Right. Well, one of the things that's happening right now is that the current government has announced a review of the Employment Equity Act. Uh, Now, this has been demanded by a number of different groups, including uh, disability rights organizations, for almost 20 years. Um, So it's been a long time coming. Um, And... You know, we we certainly see that the Employment Equity Act can be a tool uh, for improving access to employment, both if it's overhauled uh, in the proper way with proper consultation, and also if it's enforced. And I think there's been an issue in terms of the use of the Employment Equity Act to actually make um, significant change for people with disabilities. So, you know, we're we welcome that review, but we we think it's uh, flawed in its approach at the moment because it's being rushed. It's taken 20 years to get here. It was announced in July that there would be a, a panel to review the act. Then the election was announced, so everything went on hold, and the committee has been asked to produce its report um, in the first quarter of 2022, which really only gives the committee a few months to, to tackle an overhaul of the entire act. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we welcome that review, but we, we think the timelines and the process outlined are problematic, and we think that there's not enough people involved in the process um, that actually have lived experience of, of barriers uh, to employment. One of the things that the previous government has to its credit mm-hmm. is the Accessible Canada Act. A very mm-hmm. landmark legislation, uh, which I suppose is a long time coming in Canada, but it's here. And uh, I would want to know what the Green Party would like to see happen in terms of implementation. Do you think you could do it better or have done it better than the Liberal Party? Well, I mean, we welcome that there, you know, we certainly acknowledge that there have been um, advancements. But I think, as we saw on the pan-Canadian debate last night, that the, the bar was low mm-hmm. um, because the, the situation, the chronic poverty that's been going on for, for decades or more, you know, to, to say that you've done more than any previous government doesn't set the bar very high. We do welcome the initiatives that are, are being taken. Uh, we still think they're flawed in their approach because they don't aim to to create a system that's more accessible to people. It's such a patchwork right now of standards and supplements and policies and benefits. It's very, very hard to navigate. I've had to navigate this personally Mm -hmm. with members of my family. Um, I don't see that, that that the new initiatives brought in by the Liberal government are necessarily going to make that easier for people and certainly don't guarantee the kind of income uh, that is being demanded by disability rights organizations across the country. Well, if you think that there's a patchwork and you you have, um, do you have any ideas on how that patchwork could be woven into something a little more cohesive and how things might be made easier, not just for people with disabilities, but also for their family members to be able to navigate the system? 
Right. So one of the recommendations in our platform is, uh, and I guess we could, you know, say it's a, it's a different name, but would be to work to create a Canada Disabilities Act, which would try to weave together all of these multiplicity of acts and standards and policies and programs. Uh, and to work um, very closely with the the province, the territorial government, and Indigenous governments. And I think that's also what's missing uh, in the current action plan um, is, uh, you know, a real acknowledgement that there are many levels of government to engage uh, around persons with disabilities in Canada. So we would look at creating a different act that wove together uh, all of these policies and created a simplified system for people accessing services um, and income. Mm-hmm. We've uh, dealt with now over 15 months of a global pandemic. How are you feeling about the response of the Liberal government to the pandemic when it comes to people with disabilities? And how might the Green Party have done things differently? Or if you were elected, how would you approach something like the, like the pandemic differently from the government right now to ensure that people with disabilities get the supports they need in a timely fashion? Right. Well, I think there's been acknowledgement um, that in the beginning uh, and in the haste to roll out programs, certain lenses, you know, were not put into place and corrections had to be made uh, after the fact. And I think one of the, the things that I value most about the Green Party is that the lens of creating a just society is first and foremost. So it's not an afterthought. It's not what you think of, oh, we missed this, or we missed these people, or we didn't think about this level of vulnerability or this level of disproportionate income. It's it's front and center. It's the lens by which we examine uh, everything that we do. Um, and I think that that is a drastically different approach than, than what we've seen in uh, successive liberal and conservative governments. I just have time for one more question. Now, the Green Party is, of course, well known for its climate activism. How would you ensure that climate activism in Canada is also disability inclusive? Because I hope you won't quarrel with the premise that right now, as things stand, people with disabilities do not feel adequately represented in the climate movement. So how would you go about changing that? Well, I think... What's and I I, uh, and I hear you when you say that they they do not feel included. I think what's important is to look at how intersectional the platform is, um, and you know the fact that the Green Party uses the climate crisis as the lens through which to look at many of its policies. You know that includes an intersectional analysis of how people with disabilities are disproportionately affected in the climate crisis in terms of. Um, how they're treated in climate emergencies and having appropriate emergency response plans, and generally in terms of how they're treated in terms of transition to a green economy and green jobs and making sure that those jobs are jobs that are accessible uh, to people with disabilities. And in the long term, you know, acknowledging the fact that part of what happens when we allow climate change and climate disaster to happen in the way it is happening now we are actually creating a system where where more people are suffering various types of disabilities because of the environment around them. And so there's an inherent link between these two movements. All parties, I think, have to do better, and certainly the Greens have to do better. Um, but I've seen uh, a lot of effort to try to be 
um, to really emphasize that intersectionality um, as we move forward into this election. Kimberly, thank you very much for speaking to us today. No problem. Thank you. I'm Juwita Gupta. In this special one-hour show, we focus on the platforms and promises as well as the candidates representing the four major English-speaking parties in Canada. We want to encourage you, of course, to go out and vote. And you can do this in a couple of ways. You could always go and vote in an advanced poll, use a mail-in ballot, or you could vote in person and on polling day, which is, of course, September 20th. If you're a person with a disability, there are, of course, provisions in place to do so accessibly. And I would encourage you to reach out to your local Elections Canada office to find out how you might vote safely during the pandemic, but also in an accessible fashion. So far in the program, we've heard from the Conservative Party of Canada as well as the Green Party. Let's turn now to the platform for the Liberal Party of Canada. Carla Qualtro was the Minister for Employment, Workforce Development and Disability Inclusion in the last government and is running as the Liberal candidate in the Delta, British Columbia area. Carla Qualtro, welcome to The Pulse. It's good to have you back on the program. Well, thanks for having me. Justin Trudeau has been making headlines across the country because of some of the protests that have dogged the campaign trail. Most recently, we heard about a protester throwing gravel at the leader of the Liberal Party. What has your experience been like, Carla? Have you had anything similar happen to you? How have Canadians responded to you while you were out on the campaign trail? Well, thanks for asking. You know, um, this election is my third time I'm campaigning, third election. Um, there's definitely more anger, I would say, across the country, and Delta is no exception. Um, we pride ourselves kind of locally in being very respectful and being very collegial. Um, more of my signs have been defaced. Uh, my office front has been um, vandalized. It's been a little more, I would say, stressful and heightened. Um, but we've been able to gather. We have, we've had outdoor events. Um, I've always felt safe. I feel my children are safe. Um, I live in a great community. So even if there is this heightened, um, I don't even know if I get to anger, but let's call it anger. Uh, I still feel very safe being out and about talking to people. People are not always agreeing with me, but. I've never felt unsafe, um, and certainly not to the extent that I've seen the Prime Minister experience, pardon me, the leader of the Liberal Party experience, um, the hostility he's, you know, encountered. Well, I'm glad to hear that things are going relatively smoothly for you, uh, barring a few small incidents. Let's talk a little bit about the Liberal Party platform for this election, which came out a, a couple of days back now. Quite a lot in the platform, but what specifically is the Liberal Party proposing to do for people with disabilities moving forward if you were elected to office again? Well, well thanks for asking the question. I'm, I'm really excited and proud of this platform. Um, you can see the evolution in, in our government's work on disability really reflected in this broad and, and comprehensive plan to tackle the barriers that persons with disabilities in Canada continue to face uh, across the board. So whether it's in employment, whether it's financial security, whether it's in um, uh, accessing services from our government, this is really 
the, uh, the continuation of the work we started and we've been doing over the past six years, but really putting it together in what I think is, is the most ambitious and comprehensive set of commitments to Canadians with disabilities ever put forward by a political party in the history of our country. And I don't say that lightly because I don't brag. But yet, I have to come back and ask you, one of the things that your party had to deal with while in government was the COVID-19 pandemic, and many people with disabilities felt that they were an afterthought or that enough had not been done to support people with disabilities. How would you respond to people who felt that your government's response fell short of what was needed during the pandemic to make sure that people with disabilities were going to be okay? Well... Certainly, I understand that perspective. I, I personally am proud of the steps we took, the immediacy that we, 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 we took in setting up our COVID disability advisory group, the disability lens we put on all of our pandemic uh, measures. Some really important work was done, but I share the frustration of many who thought support should have been able to get to them into their bank accounts quicker. And one of the legacies of our experience during COVID-19 I think you'll see from a Liberal government is a complete overhaul of the way the Government of Canada provides services, determines eligibility for government disability programs. That's all in our Disability Inclusion Action Plan, which was announced last fall, which is laid out uh, in this, in our platform, and what we're calling our Disability Statement, which is really exciting because it's a, a part of the platform, but it's a digging into what we'll do for persons with disabilities. And it reinforces our commitment to the Disability Inclusion Action Plan, of course, to the Canada Disability Benefit and Employment Strategy, but also the work um, that really uh, frustrated us in terms of the time it took to get money. And we've talked about this into the hands of Canadians with disabilities because of the lack of an ability to make to generate a list easily within the government of Canada. The work we're doing will make sure that never happens again. And yet, you know, as you've noted, for Canadians without disabilities, they got a $2,000 a month CERB payment. For Canadians with disabilities, it was a one-time $600 payment. Uh, admittedly, you know, it's it's a big gap for people, for a community which has very high expenses, even without factoring in the pandemic. Why was the government not prepared in the case of an emergency uh, to to adequately respond to people with disabilities, especially given all your work on the Accessible Canada Act? I would right. have thought that this would have been front and center. Well, absolutely. First of all, we were ready and we did jump right in. I'd say a little bit of apples and oranges. The CERB was to uh, support people who'd lost their jobs or reduced hours. And of course, many, many people with disabilities access the CERB. We have the student benefit and the disability top-up. We have the GST additional payment, which went to persons with disabilities, as did the seniors payment. So there's a lot of help that went, and we made sure people had access to it from our broader measures, and in fact enhanced in some cases, like the student benefit for persons with disabilities, and then the direct one-time payment uh, to persons with disabilities. I mentioned the Accessible Canada Act a while back. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what you're intending to do if re-elected to ensure that the Accessible Canada Act is fully and efficiently implemented. Well, absolutely. There, of course, you know, I'm super proud of the Accessible Canada mm -hmm. Act, but the proof for Canadians with disabilities will be in the pudding. So this law came into uh, effect around just over two years ago. In that time, we've set up the Accessible Canada Standards Organization with a board of directors that has more than half of persons 
with lived experience on it. We've set up the organization itself, hired the staff. We have put in place, or we are about to put in place, sorry, because it'll happen at the end of this year, the first set of regulations under the Accessible Canada Act. The, the organization has established the, four, the first four technical committees for the first four standards it's working on, which are emergency regress, employment, outdoor spaces, and I want to say communications, but I can never remember the fourth, so I apologize. <laughs> but And this has all happened during a pandemic. This has all happened when I actually wrote to them and asked them to pivot a lot of their work um, that they had, had been doing to really focus on trying to do an environmental standard uh, scan on what kind of standards were out there around emergency preparedness and response for persons with disabilities. So um, I, you know, we are absolutely forging ahead with the full um, and really, I'd say, ambitious in terms of timeline implementation of the Accessible Canada Act. I'm not looking back. We are on the cusp of hiring both the Accessible Accessibility Commissioner with the Canadian Human Rights Commission and the Chief Accessibility Officer to advise the Government of Canada. Those, those hiring processes are ongoing. There's a lot going on in a short time, given that we were in, in a pandemic for this organization. I think that bodes well for the future of the Act um, and the future of uh, kind of barrier removal in Canada. One of the things we talked about when you were last on the program was the Canada Disability Support Payment. Again, I think we can both agree that's uh, something that's long overdue. And yet we've now, we're in the middle of an election. So what has become of the Canada Disability Support Payment? And is that something that is actually going to materialize for Canadians with disabilities? Well, under re-elected government, at liberal government, absolutely. So we tabled the legislation in June and got right to work. So I've already had conversations with my provincial colleagues around our expectation that a Canada disability benefit would not be clawed back by the provinces, that this is meant to make people better off. And of course, we don't want people losing access to or having reduced access to um, provincial supports or provincial services because we're getting the federal support. This is supposed to lift people out of poverty, not, not help provinces and have people stay the same. Um, absolutely, in, in our platform, we lay out how we're going to reintroduce and implement this disability benefit. Um, the point being that we are forging straight ahead with this. This is, uh, I would say we haven't lost any time. Perhaps people would disagree with me, but I know how hard um, people are working behind the scenes to keep going on this as we speak. Hmm. We at The Pulse reached out to Canadians with disabilities and we got a number of questions, most of which really center around the issue of employment equity and around the issue of income supports. What would the Liberal Party do if elected to ensure that Canadians with disabilities are lifted out of poverty? Well, thanks. Really important question because what I think you'll find in our platform is a real fulsome response to uh, the poverty levels that, especially working as Canadians with disabilities face, which are, as, as we would all agree, completely unacceptable. So, uh, in addition to the direct monthly income support provided by the Canada Disability Benefit, we have to get at the other issues around poverty, whether it's access to affordable housing, whether it's transit, and of course, employment. So, really trying to attack this problem really have been, um, I think, quite successful over the past six years and shifting the conversation from the medical and charity model to really a human rights-based approach where we talk about barrier removal, where we talk about poverty reduction and dignity. And I think that, that what you'll see in this platform are not only very specific disability commitments, whether it's a 
employment strategy for persons with disabilities or increasing the accessibility home tax credit or, of course, the Canada Disability Benefit, and I could probably come up with 20 more. Um, but what you'll see is disability is basically woven. Like, disability inclusion is woven through our platform. So when you when we talk about diversifying the Canadian forces, we say including persons with disabilities. When we talk about an apprenticeship strategy that specifically mentions apprentices with disabilities. So really took pain and, and, and made a concerted effort to go right across the platform and, and make sure disability was reflected. And, and if you want to talk employment, I'm happy to talk about employment because the, the, the important part of our employment strategy is a commitment to both people looking for jobs, so persons with disabilities looking for jobs, but also employers and education and support for employers, um, investments in the Opportunity Fund, in Ready, Willing, and Able, in a new stream of our youth employment and skills strategy to create 5,000 opportunities a year for young persons with disabilities to transition from school to work. So try to capture um, all the corners of this challenge and not just provide a list of things we're going to do, but really you know, within the framework of the Disability Inclusion Action Plan and our goal to improve, you know, social and economic inclusion of persons with disabilities and reduce poverty, um, provide a wholesome approach to to tackle and address the, the ongoing systemic discrimination and, and barriers and exclusion that people continue to face. Well, we'll have to leave it there, but thank you very much for speaking <laughs> to us today. My, my apologies if I talk too long. I just get really excited about all this. Well, thank you very much for speaking to us today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. I'm Chuita Gupta. So far, we've heard from the Conservatives, Greens and Liberals as part of a special program dedicated to election coverage ahead of the fall 2021 election. As we wrap up here, but let's turn our attention to the new Democratic Party. Daniel Blakey is NDP candidate in Elmwood, Transcona, in Manitoba. And he was the NDP critic for disability inclusion in the last parliament. Daniel Blakey, welcome to The Pulse. It's so good to have you on the program. Thank you very much. So, Daniel, can you give us just a few highlights and a few words about the NDP's major promises for Canadians in the lead up to this election? Sure. I mean, I think... um... One of the things that that the NDP platform offers are programs that will be available to everyone, but that I think can help make a big difference in the life of people living with um, living with disabilities. And so we've heard from folks living with disabilities Mm -hmm. that um, depending on their circumstance, they need access to prescription drugs. And the Democrats have long been advocates for a national pharmacare plan to make prescription drugs available to more Canadians that's not dependent on their employment status and to make them more affordable as well. We've talked about investing in affordable and social housing to make sure that that people can get a roof over their heads and that they can do that at a cost that's commensurate with their income. Um, We've talked about getting the federal government more aggressively involved in funding home care and you know bringing the provinces around uh, the same table in order to uh, set some standards so that Canadians can expect uh, a certain quality of care in their own home no matter where they live in the country and that the federal government would be there to, with the funding to help make that possible so those are some of the universal 
things that we're advocating that I think can make uh, a difference in the lives of people with disabilities. But one of the things beyond that uh, that's more specific is that we really do think that people uh, living with disabilities who, who are not able to work should be afforded a guaranteed livable income and that that has to come in at a rate that is uh, fair for everyone across the country and the same for everyone across the country, but that actually allows people to live with dignity. And we think the government should be involved in talking with employers so that people who are living with disabilities and that can work and want to work uh, but need some, some kind of accommodation within the workplace can have more employers in the Canadian employment market than understand those needs uh, a bit better and are willing to make those accommodations and recognize the enormous potential that uh, people living with disabilities can provide to the Canadian economy. Hand in hand with that is uh, making some changes to our employment insurance uh, system, both to have a 50-week sickness benefit, which is something uh, that New Democrats and myself personally advocated for very, very strongly in the pandemic context and even before, a long-standing policy of ours, but also to introduce some flexibility into the employment insurance system so that people with, uh, with, with episodic uh, illnesses or disabilities um, can, can get the flexibility through employment insurance they need um, so that if they need to, you know, take a few days here and there when their condition flares up, that that's something that the program allows for. So those are just some of the things that we're out there um, talking about, and I, I'm glad to get uh, to cover a little bit more ground in the discussion to follow. So one of the things we've heard from Canadians with disabilities is the need for digital access and making sure that things like websites, federal websites in particular, are fully accessible. What does the NDP intend to do about that? Well, I think there's no question that Canadians uh, deserve to have full access to their government. Uh, so that means uh, that, you know, uh, government has to move forward in making all of their um, all of their services and all of their information fully accessible. And um, one of the things that can be done in that regard uh, by legislators is to strengthen the Accessibility Act to cover all federal uh, agencies equally um, with the power to make and enforce accessibility standards in a timely manner. So that's something that we uh, are you know, actively talking about. It's something that we think the government uh, you know, doesn't need to wait on on an election to do, um, and uh, and that's one of the ways we think that we can uh, impress upon uh, agencies and federal government departments that that the government is is serious about this, and that it is a matter of 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 right for Canadians to be able to access that information and recognizing that until we have accessible um, websites, that that's that that's not the case for many Canadians. On the point about the Accessible Canada Act, it is, as you know, a signature legislation for Carla Qualtro, put a lot of effort into it. It's an achievement for the Liberal government. How does the NDP feel about it? Is the legislation strong? Could it be made stronger? And how would you go about implementing it in the years to come? Sure. I mean, I think for us, I know there was a lot of work, and I know that my uh, predecessor, Cheryl Hardcastle, was very, very involved in trying to make that legislation as good as it can be. Of course, the fact that it doesn't apply to all federal agencies equally is something that's that's missing 
from the legislation. But I think the biggest part, because the legislation, you know, was a was an important step on the legal side. The question is, how do you make it a reality? Because uh, unless there's proper resources and political will to follow up on on the Accessibility Act, then it's something that exists on paper but isn't actually making a difference in the lives of people living with disabilities. And so that's something that that we really look to is is the uh, resourcing and enforcing of the act within within government. And uh, so that's where our our principal focus lies, although, as, as I as I said, I, I do think that a change to the act is uh, required at the very least to make sure that it applies to all federal agencies. Earlier in our conversation, you talked about income security. And one of the things that I've spoken to Carla Qualtro about, and one of the things that's been talked about is a, a Canada disability benefit. So for such a benefit, what does the NDP propose and how quickly would you implement something like this? Sure. Well, we proposed back in December of 2020, a $2,200 a month benefit. So the idea there was that, you know, we've seen that I think, you know, for most Canadians, uh, what we might call the uh, CERB standard is seen as, as really what it takes to be able to put a roof over your head and put food on the table at a very minimum level. And we know that people living with disabilities across the country have been having to fare with far less for a very long time, even even before the pandemic. So a $2,200 a month benefit would, would represent that, that CERB standard plus an acknowledgement that there are a number of additional costs that come with living with a disability. And so that's what we wrote to um, the government about. We wrote a letter to Carla Qualtro in December calling for that to be brought in immediately and to, and to on, a, on a preliminary basis, bring in anyone who's, who's receiving any kind of disability benefit, either from the federal government or from the provincial government, and to try and figure out a way with the provinces how that income standard could be uh, carried on um, and assumed by the federal government with an understanding that, you know, provinces aren't going to turn around and cut all of the important other kinds of supports that people receive from provincial governments um, in various ways from coast to coast to coast. So that's been our very clear commitment on, you know, what we think should happen, how we think it should happen, how quickly we think it should happen. And so that's kind of where we're at on income support. I, I, our frustration has been that we can't get as clear an answer from the federal government on where they're going. So they announced in the speech from the throne something that I think people gave, you know, gave people a lot of hope. I was glad to see it, that they were getting serious about a new disability benefit. But since then, it's been very light. So the budget, you know, announced money for a three-year consultation. It seems to me it really shouldn't take that long to, to determine the level of financial support that people uh living with disabilities in Canada require to live a life with dignity. Um, so we'd like to see things go much faster on that front. And then, of course, the legislation that they tabled just before summer, uh, I presume knowing full well uh, on their end that there was an intention to call an election, is really just a placeholder. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really do anything except allow Cabinet to establish a program later on on terms and conditions that wouldn't be known when the legislation passed. So I don't think that that's particularly good for people living with disabilities. I think we should be able to have a debate about the program and the details in the legislation rather than just leaving it to cabinet. And of course, if cabinet establishes a program 
by ordering council without any legislative involvement, it also means it can be taken away just as quickly. And so I think for the sake of protecting that benefit, the legislation has to be a lot more uh, prescriptive in what it envisions. So, you know, New Democrats have been very clear about what we think that program should look like, uh, at least in terms of dollar amount uh, and, and how to work with the provinces to make sure that you know, people not only have an income, but that they're supported in all the other ways that, that matter. And we're waiting for that same level of clarity from the uh, current federal government. You know, you've got all these promises that you're making to Canadians, but if there was, after voting day, another minority parliament situation, how willing are you to work with other political parties to deliver on these promises for Canadians with disabilities? Very willing, and I think we've shown that in this last parliament. I mean, we were willing to work with the government on a whole range of things. We would have gladly worked with the Liberals on bringing in a $2,200 a month disability benefit countrywide. It wasn't something they were prepared to do. What they were prepared to do was to make an announcement in the speech from the throne and then announce a three-year consultation in their budget. And that's as far as they were prepared to go. They haven't released any other details. So if there, if there is a government after the election that is prepared to move forward in a meaningful way on these things, we're prepared to come to the table and to ask the question, how can we be helpful in advancing the uh, support and the rights of people living with disabilities in Canada as quickly as possible. Daniel Blakey is NDP candidate in Elmwood, Transcona in Manitoba, and he was the NDP critic for disability inclusion in the last parliament. And if you want to go back and have a listen to any of what the candidates had to say today on this program, you can go to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, while you're there, don't forget to like, rate or subscribe. I would like to thank all the candidates who took time out of campaigning to speak to us here on the program. Their contribution is deeply appreciated. With a special thanks going out to the team and our marketing department here at AMI, Greg David, Janice Davidson-Presick, for their assistance in sending out our Twitter posts and making sure that you had a chance to have your say. Nisreen Abdul-Majid is the technical producer for The Pulse. Andy Frank is the manager for AMI-audio. And Paula Deneen is our technical supervisor. I'd like to thank you all once again. Those of you who participated on Twitter with questions, my thanks go out to you. And, of course, to everyone else for tuning in to this program and for listening. Thanks a lot. Stay safe and have a wonderful rest of your day. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.